I wanted to share with you a little bit about health ministry. And Dr. Nedley's last quotation was most appropriate as a segue into what we're talking about and what I'm going to be sharing this evening. If you look in your program, you'll see a totally different title. I'm not exactly sure what happened to my titles that I submitted earlier, um, but uh, we're going to look at this evening at health ministry around the world. I have been involved in health ministry for about 35 years, a little more than that now, and uh, I have never seen a greater interest in our church, and I am very thankful to the Lord for that. There are a number of reasons that might be mentioned, but this evening I just want to share with you some things that are happening. In the world of health ministry, and it's just a small set of what I have the privilege of being able to see and interact with uh, in the work that the Lord has called me to right now. I want to start in South America. 30 years ago, the Lord laid upon the heart of a pastor and his wife the burden that they should become interested in health personally. They knew very little about it, but they began reading the good books and they were moved and inspired and strengthened by the Lord. And when they decided to become vegetarians, they were told by their conference president that they would never see another church. They would be stuck for the rest of their lives where they were. But they said no to themselves, no, the Lord has led and we will continue. Today, that pastor is the conference president. He has worked all of his ministry in that conference. And today it is a leading influence in the area of health ministry throughout South America, including it's the country of Brazil. In the city of Sao Paulo, there are four conferences and each one has over 45,000 members. And one of those conferences is being led by pastor, this pastor and his wife. About 25 years ago, they felt impressed with a small group of friends that they should buy a piece of land that was outside of the city of Sao Paulo and that they should establish a training center for health ministry. And they did that. Today, that piece of property of 13 hectares is within the city limits of San Paulo, uh, of San Paulo, and it is in, located in a very, very uh, upscale neighborhood. They can now, and I have a few pictures of this training center, it has grown significantly. This was a picture taken out of my room. They can house about 450 people at one time for training seminars. And it is dedicated to training for health ministry. Now that is not the only seminars that come, but long ago they made a decision that they would choose the food that would be served to all who would enter those gates and come to seminars whether, or to training programs, whether they were sponsoring the training program or not. Thousands and thousands of individuals have now been trained in health ministry at this conference. It is the most desirable conference center for Seventh-day Adventists in the entire city of Sao Paulo. Lord has blessed abundantly. They have a wonderful kitchen. They serve absolutely delicious food. And Elder Biazzi's wife, many years ago came to the conclusion that one of the reasons there was prejudice against a vegetarian diet was that it was not being prepared well, it didn't taste well, and it wasn't being presented well. And so she took upon herself to attend and become certified in a, in chef, in a chef school, one of the best chef schools in all of Brazil. And she has taken and applied those principles to what happens here in the training center. And I just show you a few pictures of a few of the meals that I had during the time I have been there. I've been there twice and will be going back there next year. They have 
I'll very, actually they have two sessions back to back of health ministry training and the place is full, packed out. Um, people, from, people from all over Brazil as well as other parts of the country. Uh, just a few pictures of the kind of food that we get to eat when we're there. And it's all presented absolutely wonderfully. The taste is, is superb. Uh, this was one of my breakfasts and um, I just couldn't help but get my cell phone out and take a picture of it. Pastor Biazzi is the man standing to my right in the picture. Uh, his wife is not in that picture. She had slipped and fallen on a wet floor and was not able to be in the picture, but most of these individuals are the people who helped pioneer this training center with him. But the most exciting news of all is that their kitchen has, and they are cooperating with our university in Sao Paulo, and they have recently been approved for an accredited vegetarian chef training program, the first and only one in all of South America. Um, you need to learn Portuguese if you're going to attend. But um, they are hoping to expand it into Spanish and possibly English. There is a huge need for this kind of training. They now are booked five years out and it's a waiting list. They gave Seventh-day Adventists the first opportunity and the first two classes are almost all Seventh-day Adventists. And after that, they opened it up to the public. They were actually mandated to do that by the government. And uh, they have Seventh-day Adventists along with a large waiting list of individuals who want to come and learn how to cook vegetarian food. And it will be a wonderful program. It is a wonderful program because it is not only teaching the preparation of food, but also good nutrition concepts because they have a core of good nutrition classes uh, required in their programming that is being taught by our nutrition department at our university in Sao Paulo. I just want to share with you, and, and this, was an these, this was a couple I met, a young physician couple. Um, they have been Seventh-day Adventists for eight years now. Fascinating story of how a layman came to Daniela's business. Her father is one of the best-known um, oncologists in Brazil, and he insisted that she take medicine, and she did, but when she graduated, she opened a restaurant. Very different than practicing medicine. And uh, she, was, it, she did that against her parents' wishes, but she did it. And it became a very successful Japanese restaurant. And one day there was a knock on her door, and there was a man that she had never met before. He was an older man, and he walked into her office, and he said, I understand you're a physician, and she had been hiding that. And she said, how did you know? And he said, well, I learned that. And he said, you need to be a medical missionary. And she looked at him and said, what is a medical missionary? And he said, I can't tell you very well, but I brought you seven books that you need to read. And he said, I have marked in, I put bookmarks in those books and you need to start with number one and then you go to number two and you go to number three and four and five and six. And she said it went up to about 35 or 36 bookmarks. And these were books by Ellen White, believe it or not. She, was, she had no Christian experience in her background, never been to a Christian church. She had no interest in the Christian church. And she put those books in a pile as she was handed them in her office. But the idea burned a hole in her mind. And the idea was, what is a medical missionary? And a few weeks later, she took those books home and she began reading. And she began reading from Ministry of Healing and she began reading from Desire of Ages and she began reading, these were all the books that he had been given, that he had given her with the bookmarks and she followed it one, two, three, just as he had suggested. And when she got to reading Steps of Christ, her heart was broken by the Holy Spirit and she gave her life to Christ. 
She continued reading everything that he had suggested. Now, this is a wonderful case of medical missionary work. Daniela did not know what to do next. And she found the publisher of those books, and she called the publishing house. And by God's grace, somebody who was very attentive and sympathetic listened to her, answered the phone and listened to her. And when she said, I don't know what to do, they said, if you tell us where you live, we'll tell you where a church is located. And they gave her the address to a local Seventh-day Adventist church that was just a few blocks from where she lived, where her restaurant was. And she went. And as she went on the first Sabbath, there was the man in the lobby that had delivered those books. And he, she introduced herself to her, to him. He introduced her to the pastor and to some other members. Bible studies ensued, and Daniela, she was baptized. She had been accepted into a family practice residency at Johns Hopkins. She had six months before she needed to come to the U.S. Everything was in order. And during those six months, she volunteered to work at a clinic for the poor in, in Sao Paulo. And she became the director of that clinic, the medical director anyway. And one day, a young man showed up, and he had also been accepted to Johns Hopkins for, for a family practice residency. He had just finished, and he was doing some time before he went to the States. And one Friday, he said to her, would you like to go out and party this weekend? He said, I think you're really cute. And she said, I don't do that. And he said, why not? And she said, I'm a medical missionary. And he said, what is a medical missionary? And she said, well, if you're really interested in, in knowing, let me think about it and let me know later. And I have some books that will help you learn. A few weeks later, after failing several times to date her, he said to her, what is a medical missionary? And she said, take these books. Read them with the bookmarks. One, two, three, four. And you know, he took those home. He went out and he partied and drank. He, he told me that he, he lived to party. That was his life on the weekends. And he came home on a Sunday drunk with the idea of a medical missionary in his mind. And he pulled out the books and he said, I didn't get much out of the first day I read them. But he said, I began reading one, two, three, four. And in time, when he got to Steps to Christ, he too gave his life to Christ. He didn't tell her anything about this. He was embarrassed, actually, that he was reading. He didn't want anybody to know. But when he gave his life to Christ, he came to her and he said, now what do I do? And she said, you need to come to church with me. Make a long story short, he met the pastor. He studied with the pastor. Several other people, young people in the church, studied with him. They be, he became involved in the young people's group. And in due time, he too was baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist. And after he was baptized, she said to him, as they were walking with a group on Sabbath afternoon, he was baptized in the morning, she said to him, are you ready? And he said, I've just been baptized. What do you mean, ready? And she said, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, are you ready? And he said, he looked at her and he said, you mean to begin a relationship? And she said, well, that's what I was thinking about. And he looked at her in shock and he said, I've been ready for a long time but I was scared to ask you. 
and they began a relationship, they courted, and they are now married. And today they are the medical directors of a lifestyle center in Sao Paulo. They are winning souls to the Lord. And as he told me on the phone the other day, he said, we just saw four people from our lifestyle center baptized. And he said, I am, we are just trying to make up for lost time. He said, the, the Lord is so good to us. They're a wonderful couple. They're wonderful pro medical professionals who are involved deeply in health ministry. And it's thrilling to see what God is doing in their lives and in the lives of others that they are touching. We have two lifestyle centers in Sao Paulo. This is, that's the entry to one of them. This is the lake and some of the buildings of uh, the larger of the two. Uh, it's been there, it's been in operation longer. This is an uh, institution of the, of the uh, uh, Palestana Conference in Sao Paulo. It's a beautiful place. Um, I wish that everybody could see it. And they have a waiting list of three to four months for patients. And so is the other lifestyle center that's the newer one, and that's where the two young doctors are associated. They started out working at this one, then they transferred. The World Health Organization today is very interested in dealing with, in cooperating with non, or, or with faith-based or faith-based organizations um, to combat the non-communicable diseases. Not the communicable ones, those have already been focused on for many decades, but the non-communicable diseases, and they have set four goals of which Seventh-day Adventists can fully support. That is to eliminate cigarette smoking, increase physical activity, improve nutrition, and there's three sub-goals of that, less salt, less fat, and less sugar. And the last one is to reduce the harmful effects of alcohol. They haven't quite gotten brave enough to approach alcohol as they have tobacco. But we can certainly um, help in the fight against the problems with alcohol. All of those we actually have been involved in as a church for decades. More than 100 years, actually. I had the privilege of attending a meeting at of the World Health Organization, an official meeting, where they called faith-based organizations to come. And I represented the Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Moscow. The lady standing here facing the camera is the health ministries director of the Euro-Asia division in Moscow. She's a nurse, Nadia Ivanova, and she attended the meetings also. We were the only church that attended that meeting. There was one person from the World Council of Churches. And we had the privilege of standing and saying to the Director General of the World Health Organization that as Seventh-day Adventists, we were ready with 18 million members strong around the world to help in the fight against non-communicable diseases. It's a wonderful opportunity that we're living in today. Um, I'm standing next to Pastor Billy Biaggi, who is the president of the Euro-Asia Division and one of the health ministers from the, the Solomon Islands. He's a Seventh-day Adventist, attended that meeting. And uh, he heard the next day after the meeting that we were involved in that Seventh-day Adventists had pledged to help in this fight against non-communicable diseases. We have wonderful opportunities. Let's go to Indonesia very quickly and we lost a little bit of time in the beginning, so we'll move very fast here. Two ladies of Chinese background, a number of years ago, felt impressed that they needed to do something in health ministry for the Chinese people that lived in Jakarta. And they decided that they would open a healthy food store that included a health education center, and they would give nutrition demonstrations. And so they bought a piece of, uh, they bought a building. Now it's not a building like you might think of, but it is a building that has five floors. And on the top floor they established a prayer and Bible study room.
on the ground floor, the health food store. Today, Club Sehat, which means health club in English, is a very successful operation. The health food stores support the ministry. On the second floor, they have health education classes on a routine and regular basis. They are usually packed. And in fact, this effort of outreach now has four club sehats in the city of Jakarta. And the Lord is blessing. Twelve years it's been in operation now. There are four centers of influence. And while they are not saying a lot about it, because there is some sensitivity uh, to it, the two directors told, the two ladies told me recently that each year for the last five years, the four, these four centers of influence have been able, by God's grace, to bring in more baptisms than all of the other church activities in the city of Jakarta. Health ministry, done right, brings results with God's help, direction, and his grace. Let's go to Central Asia. We have a lady who was trained at one of our, inst- one of our self-supporting institutions in Ukraine. And she had a burden. She's now married someone from the Central Asian states. And they have been kicked out of two countries because of religious prejudice. He is a pastor and she is a health educator and a nurse. Svetlana is her name. They have opened a little lifestyle center. It works quietly, but they teach simple methods of treatment hydrotherapy, good food, they have health expos in town, they have lifestyle sessions, and they are hoping to be able to buy a building here very shortly as the Lord provides funds. One of their Muslim patients said this, may you have more lifestyle sessions so simple people like us can know Seventh-day Adventists better. God is blessing. They're very, this is a very low-key, humble effort. But God is blessing in very real ways. We go to Moldova, one of the old Soviet states. It's an independent country now. It's uh, landlocked, um, squeezed in between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we have a volunteer health ministries director He's a pediatric surgeon, but his passion is health ministry. He's considered now to be one of the best pediatric surgeons in the country. He works at the, at the, uh, the, the main university hospital, and his love, though, is health ministry. He works on a $200 a year budget for health ministry for the entire Moldova Union. It's not much. But he has a big vision. Recently, they did a health expo. This is not a picture of that particular health expo. This was the first one. They did it on the street. And the mayor came to them. He came through the health expo. And the mayor said to them, can you come to City Hall? We need this for our employees. And they went to the City Hall and they did another health expo for the City Hall. And he now has two teams of young people that are doing health expos in the capital city. And most of those health expos are at the invitation of government buildings and government offices. God is blessing. And they are beginning to see the results in terms of the fruit for the gospel as a result of these efforts. Papua New Guinea is a very interesting place. We had a hospital in Sopus for many years, but unfortunately, 12 years ago, it was closed. It is still not open, but it's scheduled by God's grace to open yet this year, reopen, at the invitation of the government of New Guinea. Last year, 
Pastor, or Dr. Chester Kuma, uh, that's a picture of where Sopus Hospital is in Papua New Guinea. This is the outside of it. Last year, he was Dr. Chester Kuma, who, is, who was the medical director. He's a head and neck surgeon. He spent many years as the medical director at Sopus before it was closed. He's now the health Min associate health ministries director of the, of the uh, South Pacific Division uh, based in, us, in uh, Sydney. He went to visit at the invitation of the government. First time Seventh-day Adventists had ever gone back since they closed the hospital. The reason they had to close it was because of civil unrest. There were warring tribes, and when the hospital treated one injured person, then the other side came and killed somebody, an employee of the hospital, in order to, to get vengeance on the treatment that they had given to an injured person from the other side. And it went back and forth like that, and the church said, we have to close the hospital. There's more civil order now in the area, and the government has said, come back, we need Sopus Hospital. When he came back, he was shocked. And uh, this is a picture of the operating room. And he said that if he had supplies, he could have started operating almost immediately. Twelve years later, the local people had protected the hospital. They had cleaned it. They had kept it in order. They had painted it on the outside. They had painted it on the inside. And this is not done just in preparation for his visit. This is the way they kept it, with the expectation that someday it would reopen. It's not easy to open a hospital. Um, there are many things that are involved. The government has now agreed with the Seventh-day Adventist Church that we can hire the people we wish. They will not have any control over hiring. And that they want it to be a Seventh-day Adventist hospital. And it is now scheduled to be reopened later this year. And we need to keep it in our prayers. Uh, there is, of course, some updating of the equipment that needs to be done. But there is a lot that is going on in that division to make sure that that happens and that it can open and, and begin again to serve the people of that region for their needs. Um, not only that, but the government of New Guinea has asked the church to operate eight government hospitals, some of which they have never opened. They're built, but they've never seen a patient. One of them is in Koroba. And uh, this is the crowd that came out to see Dr. Chester, meet Dr. Chester when he came to look at it. The need is huge. The laborers are few. And so that's a challenge. And the church is praying and working to be able to accommodate at least some of these requests. I won't take time to deal with, uh, to talk about the Adopt-A-Clinic program, but in the South Pacific Division there, have been, there has been a wonderful program of lay people who have gotten together, provided equipment, provided funds, and they have taken the old clinics that have served for many, many years and oftentimes have been closed, they've refurbished them, re-outfitted them, and have been able to reopen them. And I'm just showing you a series of pictures. I had the privilege of being in Port Moresby for an Adventist Health Professionals meeting recently, uh, actually a little over a year ago now. And it was the first time Adventist Health Professionals had been called together in Papua New Guinea. And what was amazing was that we're there were 88 medical students from the only medical school in Papua New Guinea that attended that meeting. They were all Seventh-day Adventists. Never in the history of that school have, or of the church have there been that many young people taking medicine. And they were presented with the challenge of serving the Lord in these hospitals, that, opportunities that are opening up. And 81 of those young people came forward on Sabbath morning in response to a call to dedicate their lives to the mission work of health ministry of this church and to fill the needs of professionals. So even before the government had made their request known to the church, God was working in the hearts of some of these young people to be trained to fill those, that role 
Later this year, as SOPUS op opens, we will be opening a, med a new, uh, reopening the nursing school that for many years provided the very best nurses in all of Papua New Guinea. And that is also at the request of the government. God is doing so many wonderful things today. Uh, that's a picture of, go back to that one, that's a picture of, and you can see the age of the volunteers, and they come out once a week and spend a whole day packing medical supplies and donated equipment into containers to be shipped to these many, many clinics. And they're also now beginning to gather equipment for hospitals, first of all for SOPUS Hospital, and then for several of the other hospitals. Many things are happening in the area of, of um, for instance, in Mongolia. Uh, recently, we had the privilege of teaching a class of 85 hours in the foundations of health. We taught them basic medical physiology, then we taught them public health and nutrition and health ministry. And they came for three weeks to our headquarters in uh, Ulaanbaatar, and they met at the top floor, which is our church and multi-purpose room. And uh, we had a wonderful time with them, all of the pastors. We had Bible workers and a number of non-Adventist lay health or health non-Adventist health professionals that came to those classes. And now three of those non-Adventists who attended have now become Seventh-day Adventists. They're all started because of health ministry and what they were learning. The youngest, uh, this is our health ministries director in the Northern Asia Pacific Division, Barbara Choi. This was our youngest class member. Uh, her parents got straight A's in every class and every exam. Um, and she attentively, attentively attent, listened attentively um, to everything that was said. Ah, some of the time she slept. But uh, she was our youngest church uh, class member. We've taught the same class in, at Adventist University of Africa. In fact, they have now made it a required part of their curriculum that Foundations of Health be a part of any student taking a master's or a doctorate degree at the Adventist University of Africa. And we ask these pastors and teachers, uh, pre-class uh, test, we give them a little short uh, quiz, really, and about 80% of them wonder why they have to take this class. At the end of the class, 96% say it is the best class they've ever had. Hmm? I'm sorry. That's in that's in Nairobi, the outside of Nairobi, at the, on the on the headquarters of the of the East Central Africa Division. It's a beautiful campus, um, and that's the new library and classroom building, along with offices. This is one of the classes. Um, Gimby Hospital is way out in uh, in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, yeah, in Ethiopia. Uh, it's one of those true mission hospitals. The government decided that they would open a government hospital with more modern equipment and modern rooms. And that hospital is languishing. But Gimby continues to survive and serve the needs of that area. When you asked, when a survey was done of patients, why do you come here and not to the other hospital? They said they come because the staff prays with them and they value that prayer. Um, a, lo a local church in Finland got together and has now re-equipped, actually built and equipped a surgical suite for Kendu Bay Hospital, which was our first hospital in, Afri in Eastern Africa. And uh, as I said, we're running out of time. Um, we have a nursing school there, and I want to just show you, those of you who are maybe headed to nursing, I don't have a really good picture of the old, old mannequins that these nursing students um, were using in their classrooms and for their, for their learning experiences. Um, I looked at them, and my wife, who is a nurse, looked at them and thought maybe they were from her school when she took nursing. They were that old. But I had the privilege a few weeks later of being in Korea, 
where our nursing school was just going through moving to an all digital and electronic mannequins. And I said, what are you going to do with the old ones? And they said, well, we really don't know. We'll probably dump them. And I said, don't dump them. They said, do you know a place? And I said, yes. And the Korea, uh, the Samyuk University and the union, the Korean union, gathered all of that equipment and even more, even bought some new equipment, paid for all the shipping, and it is now at our nursing hospital, our nursing school at Kendu Bay in Kenya and being used well. Even before they got the new equipment, every student that graduated from that nursing school passed the, the government boards and was fully employed. In fact, it was hard for our hospitals to hire them because they had so many offers from the government hospitals and private hospitals. God blesses the humble efforts of our people. That's the library. Um, Ishaka Hospital is uh, in Uganda. I love the mission statement that's posted in so many places on the walls. Ishaka Adventist Hospital is, is to provide a Christ-centered health care to all. And indeed, they do the best they can in doing that. A very wealthy Ugandan about five years ago decided to build a modern hospital just down the hill from Ishaka Hospital. And uh, Ishaka has been there for probably 45 years now. And it has had its struggles like many of our mission hospitals have. They built that brand new large hospital. Then he said, we're going to establish a medical school. And he had connections with the government. And the government said, yes, we can have a medical school. They have a medical school and a hospital. The problem is they can't get patients in the hospital. It sits empty because the patients come to Ishaka. And they come because they get cared for with love, with Christian grace, and the staff prays with them, and the doctors pray with them. There's huge needs, and God is using our institutions. By the way, that's the kitchen for Ishaka Hospital. They don't serve meals to the patients, but this is the kitchen for the nursing students. I don't know how many of you would like to eat food prepared from that kitchen. Um, the needs are huge, but God is doing amazing things. This man washes single-handedly by hand all of the laundry for Ishaka Hospital. All of the surgical wraps, all of the surgical rags, all of the everything. And he dries it on the lawn. We have been able recently to work with a church here in the U.S. who said, we want to do something of significance in Africa. And we said, you need to get, you need to help out the laundry room at Ishaka Hospital. We need to also build a, a drying area that is undercover so when it rains, they don't have to rush out and bring everything in or have to, have to, uh, I, it, it's just amazing. And yet that man for 28 years has been almost the sole washing machine. Now somebody did give a washing machine to Ishaka. In fact, they gave a washer and dryer. But it was a Kenmore from the US. And when it arrived, somebody plugged it into 220, not knowing it was 110. It has never worked since. And this church has been very gracious in raising funds, and Ishaka is now able to buy a washing machine that is locally available with local service and with local parts. And uh, uh, God, is, God is using brothers and sisters in one part of the world to help brothers and sisters in the other part of the world in their ministry. I don't have time really to tell you this story, and I want to, uh, let me just end here. Um, well, we'll have to go quickly. This is a different version of PowerPoint. Things are happening in England. Wonderful things. Um, I'm just going to go very quickly to uh, this. That's the Kiev Medical Center. 
Adventist Medical Center in the city of Kiev in Ukraine. Um, Lord has worked in marvelous ways there and it is open and is serving the needs of people. It's continuing to grow. Um, this is the health ministry director for the Ukrainian Union, Sergei and his wife. Um, and the man in the t-shirt is Dr. Yuri Bondarenko. He's the, a psychiatrist, a Russian physician, who is the medical director at the center. Uh, the man sitting next to him is Dr. Jay Sloop from Yakima, Washington, who actually disappeared and has never been seen on an early morning walk in the Ukraine. Some of you may have heard and prayed about that. I had the, the privilege of having his memorial service uh, just over a year ago. Um, I was with him until the day before he disappeared. We walked together every morning. And uh, it's a tragedy that nobody really knows what happened. This is uh, Nadia Ivanova, uh, along with Dr. J. Sloop. What I want to close with is this promise from Isaiah 64, verse 24. I will answer them before they even call to me. And while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. I want to go back to Papua New Guinea. For many years, the Pathfinder Clinic plied the Sepik River, staffed by a pastor and a nurse. And... About nine years ago, the motors quit, and it had to be beached on this spot. The church said, we can't support it any longer. And it has this clinic, this, uh, or this river clinic, on, a, on these two twin halls, has sat. <coughs> two years ago, three years ago, Somebody in Australia got the burden, an Adventist, to raise some funds to try to rehabilitate and get this back on the river. And he went to a church in Melbourne and told the story and made an appeal. And one of the members of the church in Melbourne, who's an who's a outboard mechanic, heard that appeal. And he went home and after, after the service, and he told his wife, he said, I'm impressed I should talk to my boss. He worked for a man who had a company that built the most luxurious and largest uh, houseboats in all of Australia. Houseboats that uh, cost four, five, six million dollars. We're talking state of the art in every respect. And this man worked as a mechanic for him. And so he got up his courage after a lot of prayer and he went to his boss and he said very quietly, would you be willing to help in meeting a need in New Guinea. And his boss looked at him and he said, really? He said, I'm an atheist. Would your church work with an atheist? And this man didn't know what to say, but he said kind of, yes, I'm sure they would. And he said, I'd be more than interested. And so this mechanic got some more people who knew more about it. And one of them was Kevin Price, who's the health ministries director of the South Pacific Division. And they came set up an appointment, they came and visited with this businessman. And his first question to them was, would you accept help from an atheist? And they said, we'd be happy to do that. When I was in Papua New Guinea, this man had just come back from an, he had paid all of the expenses for himself, for the mechanic, for his son, who was an engineer, also an engineer, and for one other staff from his company, four of them, had spent one week examining this river cl clinic uh, boat or the hulls. And they came back to Port Moresby while I was there and I had the privilege of being there and listening to their report. This man was so excited about the project that he told us, he said, you know, I'm the biggest in the business in Australia. And he said, there are many people that owe me favors. And he said, I have already called on my cell phone to a shipping company that has agreed to ship everything that's needed to rehabilitate this back to the location, including up the river. And he said, when I go back, 
He said, we're going to begin gathering in several containers, everything that's needed. He said, we need to change the hulls a little bit. And he said, I'll manufacture those parts in my factory. And he said, you'll need new engines. And he said, I've already talked to the Yanmar distributor for all of Australia, and they're going to donate those engines to your project. And he said, you need electronics, and you need solar panels, and you need this. The guy knew everything he was talking about far more than anything I knew about. Avionic, or not avionics, but the navigation, GPS, everything. And he said, it's all donated. It won't cost you anything if you're willing to accept help from an atheist. <laughs> I ate breakfast with he and his son. And I thanked him on behalf of the World Church for his interest in doing this. And he looked at me and he said, are you sure your church is willing to work with an atheist? I said, not only are we willing to work with an atheist, but we're willing to pray for two atheists. And I looked them straight in the eye. December last year, the, pair, the Pathfinder Clinic was relaunched. He took a crew at his own expense of more than eight people who spent four weeks rehabilitating and completely redoing the Pathfinder Clinic. And God has put it on the heart of a nurse and a pastor to become the, 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 the major staff of this new Pathfinder Clinic. And the Pathfinder Clinic is plying the Sepik River and all of those waterways serving the needs of people today because the Lord placed on the heart of an atheist a willingness to help God's work. Ellen White tells us that if we will approach people of means, even that are not part of our work, that he will impress upon them the need and give them the joy and the reward of that kind of service. At the dedication of this launch, this atheist said to Pastor Kevin Price, do you have another project that I could be involved in? And Kevin looked at him and said, are you serious? And he said, I am dead serious. He said, I have enjoyed this more than anything I have done in all my life. In fact, he said, you don't know this, but I've just sold my company. And he said, I want to spend my time doing these kinds of projects. We need to pray for that man and his family. Because an atheist can become a God-loving person under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And maybe through contact with Seventh-day Adventists, by God's grace, this man will become one of our brothers in the Lord. It was a huge challenge, but you know God is a big God. And God has promised, when he said these were his instructions to them, the harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. That's speaking about the time in which we live. I resonate with what Dr. Nedley shared with you. I appreciate the training, the academics, and the mission and vision of Weimar, as well as GYC West. We need each one of you, especially you young people. We need you all. But we need you young people to give your hearts to God and to serve him. May God bless and guide and strengthen each one of you as you prepare to serve him and to be faithful to his call until that time soon when our Lord and Savior returns in the clouds of heaven. I long for that day. And I look forward to that day when we can share together in heaven how God has used us by his grace on this earth. Let's bow our heads. Our gracious Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord, for the way you're willing to work not only in our lives but in the lives of other people. That's what you do. That's what you specialize in even in the hearts of those who do not believe in you. 
We pray especially for this man who has been so generous and good to your work in New Guinea and who is now starting on a new project in building from scratch another clinic to answer the needs that have been expressed in a different part of that country. We ask, Lord, that his heart might be touched as he interacts with your believers and may he see that you are a real God that desires and loves him and wants to be a part of his life. We pray, Lord, for your work in so many corners of this earth. There are huge needs, but you are capable of answering each one in ways that sometimes we haven't even dreamed of. I pray, Father, that you would bless each of the young people who are here as they are preparing their lives. We pray that they might make their calling and election sure and that they would dedicate their talents and abilities to your work and to the furthering and hastening of your soon return. We pray for their parents and for the others who are here. We pray for Weimar and for the mission that you have given to it. And we just ask that you would send your spirit, not only to bless each of the staff members, the administrators, but also the students who are here and will be coming, that they may sense your calling, your blessing, and that this work will contribute to the onward progress of your work here on this earth and the the soon return of our Savior Jesus. And so as we've come to the end of this busy day, we commit our lives to you, asking that you would grant us a good night's rest and awaken us refreshed tomorrow for another day is our prayer in in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.